This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. Hello there. Uh, well, uh, Charlie is dressed up like Snow White. And this you morning. look like every one of the uh, little dwarves, actually. Well, thank you. Dopey? Is that Dopey, it? grumpy, yeah. sleepy. Isn't that a neat little intro? That's a brand new one for our good sponsors, Scott's. And we're just having a giggle about that. We that's fun. Are. It's pretty wacky. Yeah. But, you know, there you go. Uh, I was going to say, do you think that's something that somebody's trying to send a message to us? <laughs> Not very subtly either. No. <laughs> Hi there, Frank Proctor, along with Charlie Dobbin. This is The Garden Show from AM740. Now, just get the phone numbers out right off the top. We've already got uh, some callers uh, calling in, but when the lines become free, 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto uh, uh, call. And then uh, anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. The mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. So if you call in the early part of the show and you want to call again, yep. that's fine. No Not problem. Not a problem. Yeah. Uh, and just before we get to any calls, a couple mm. of announcements. Um, get your calendars out for those of you that are interested in getting ready for the garden. Yes, yes. This That rain out there? Yeah. We're getting April showers now. Well, it's it's interesting. I'm, I ran into one of Marilyn's guests on my way in, and she said, this is your kind of weather. <laughs> I started laughing. I go, I can't smell any worms. It's not my weather yet. <laughs> the ground's still frozen. You can smell worms. Can't you? No. Oh. No, my sniffer doesn't work all that well. Well, not now. The worms haven't emerged because yeah. it's all still frozen. But but uh, I started laughing. I go, I go. this is good weather for ducks. This is not quite gardening weather yet. But So if you want a real sight, drive down Charlie Street, look for the lady crawling along the grass, sniffing for no, worms. No, no. I'm just no. save them. I just move them oh, off the you know, driveway <laughs> and stuff. Oh, stop. All right. <laughs> Calendars out. couple of things. Well, yeah. always remember, if you don't have your calendar out now and you want to know what's going on, there's lots of good weather. Websites, gardenontario.org mm. is the Ontario Horticultural Association website. So all the hort societies across Ontario have information about when and where they meet. GardenToronto.ca is very, very updated. Uh, the gentleman, Mark, who runs it, keeps all the events mm-hmm. happening, and he's he's very topical and full of information, so that's a good one as well. It's all right. kind of GTA-based. Yep. Um, now, remember in Stratford this mm-hmm. weekend, the, this is the big Stratford Rotary Complex Garden Festival. And it's a biggie. Oh, it is. It's very big. So it's this weekend. Uh, of course, the Rotary Complex is at 353 McCarthy Road in Stratford. They have a website, stratfordgardenfestival.com. Now, for those of you that want to attend a meeting, Tuesday, this Tuesday, 7.30, Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is having their general meeting. There's a free lecture on extending your gardening season. Now, this is presented by Kyla Dixon-Muir, and she gardens every week of the year. You're kidding. 
How does she do that? I don't know. Maybe she's got a greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she just has stuff in her house. What I do I don't know. Maybe she lives in Florida. I don't oh, know. Um, so they, of course, they, they meet at the Scarborough Village Community Center at 3600 Kingston Road. <laughs> I shouldn't be so honest. Uh, it's all, everybody's welcome, of course, and there are refreshments. On Wednesday, Joe and Hazel Cook will present slides on growing hardy delphiniums and peonies to the Riverdale Hort Society. Meeting starts at 7 o'clock at the usual location, Frankland Community Centre, 816 Logan Avenue, fully wheelchair accessible. Everyone, of course, is welcome. And the final one is the Burlington Hort Society. They're having their monthly meeting on Wednesday, 7.30. Speaker for the evening, Linda Crago, owner of Tree and Twig Heirloom Vegetable Farm. Guess what she's speaking on? Twigs and <laughs> no oh. heirloom vegetables. <laughs> that was good though. <laughs> of course, the Burlington Hort Society meets at the Burlington Senior Center. I'm going to start laughing uncontrollably here. Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street in Burlington, and there will be heirloom seeds for sale. No twigs. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, we've got a special guest coming up a little later on. The we show. do. Yeah, I showed you uh, what's going on there. Yes. Our special guest is a Canada Post person. I believe she's a media officer, communications uh-huh. officer, uh, Jennifer Arnett. She's going to be telling us about the brand new stamp that's just being launched at Canada Blooms. I well, I'll let out. her unveil what it the, is. How exciting yeah. that is. And, of course, that segues me beautifully into Canada Blooms, and uh, that's a happening thing. So it goes without saying, make sure that's marked on your calendars. Canada Blooms is the big flower show at the Direct Energy Centre <clears throat> every March for five days. This year, it's from Wednesday, March 16th, till the Sunday, the 20th. So a week this Wednesday, mark that up. That's right. Week right. this Wednesday will be opening day. And uh, I'm very involved with Canada Blooms, as many of you know, as the horticultural director. So I'll be moving into the construction zone uh, this week. <laughs> Hard and hat, steel boots. Exactly. Yeah. When I'm in here next Saturday, <laughs> I'll be deking out of my construction zone for an hour in my hard hat and steel toes to, uh, you know, Bring you the garden show and then get back to the other garden show. Well, you've but got a busy time lined up. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So that's obviously the big one to put on your calendars. And gardening season's coming. We want to stay active. Remember, Sierra Sill is what Frank and I use to keep ourselves wacky or limber <laughs> or at least, you know, moving, you know, pain-free. Because Sierra Sill is a uh, mineral supplement taken daily, can really help keep those joints, if they're at all stiff, whether it's hands or elbows or hips or knees, keep them moving, keep them pain-free. So for yet, for more information, sierrasill.ca or 1-877-JOINT-14. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And it's the wacky duo. No, no, Matt Wacky Trio. Andre <laughs> is uh, behind the producer's desk this morning. Welcome, Andre. Yeah. He's not here very often. But nice to see that bright, shining face highlight. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> and I understand Dave's in Florida. Like, what's that all about? What's that all? You didn't let us know, the rat. No, okay. I didn't take us. But I'll tell you something. We've got the calls all lined up here. Andre's been hard at work. Brenda from Dundas. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning. Morning. Um... In Dundas, there's a little public park, mm-hmm. and in that park, there's a, a beach hedge. Mm-hmm. And my question is, I would like to grow a little piece of beach as a specimen plant. Can I take a cutting from this old hedge, or do I go to a nursery? And if I do, do I ask for a shrub, or is it a tree that's been pruned? What's the difference between a hedge and a tree? 
What a great question. I was just going to say, good question. Yeah. Okay, the difference between a shrub and a tree is exactly what you point out. It's the way it's been trimmed. Now, there are different varieties of beech. Uh, when you think of the traditional beech from, you know, you know, beech have that gray, smooth bark, right? So the traditional American beech is a monster tree, okay? It, once it's 30 or 40 years old, it's 30 or 40 feet tall and about the same width. Mm-hmm. It's a very large tree. The ones that are used for hedges could be that variety, but more likely one of the more columnar varieties. And again, it's a trimming to keep them all nice and tidy and neat. Mm. Uh, They're not super fast growing trees, so they're easy in terms of the the trimming required. Unlike, say, a privet hedge or something like that where you need to trim a couple of times a year, beech once a year is usually enough. Mm. And one of the reasons they're so popular is because beech, similar to oaks, do not drop their leaves in the fall. And they're all lovely and brown. That's right. They hold Mm. those leaves all winter and they make a lovely sound in the winter when the wind is blowing as the new leaves start to emerge the old leaves are forced off right so all the beech leaves and the oak leaves will drop in the spring instead of the fall and so that is one of the reasons so so they do provide a privacy hedge year-round without being an evergreen I guess is kind of my point there so your question was if you wanted to grow one as a specimen Yes. yes, you can take a cutting. The time to take the cutting is when it is fairly early in the spring. So late May, early June, okay. you'll take tip cuttings of new growth, and your tip cuttings will be approximately six inches long. Six inches long. Okay. Six to eight inches long. With, with little buds on those little curly buds. Correct. And it, right. So you, what you'll do is recognize that from where the buds are, leaves can emerge or roots can emerge. It's just a question of what environment the plant is in. So you've got to make sure you've got at least two buds. So the length of your stem, the bottom two buds, need to be immersed into a moist soil or vermiculite. Sometimes people use straight water, but I wouldn't recommend it with a, with a woody plant. It should be more of a moist medium. And roots will emerge from where those buds are. All right. And meanwhile, you've still got three or four buds sticking up out, up into the air, right. and leaves will emerge from there. And that's all I do? Just um, Do I keep it inside the house no, for a while? No, no. You'll be outside, and you'll uh-huh. keep it outside. Of course, you'll, you'll put these little cuttings into a shady spot because they'll dry out too quickly. And keep you, them in a pot for a while? That's right, and you'll protect them from the wind because you mm-hmm. don't want them to, to get dried out at all. It can take as long as six to eight weeks before roots will form. And once you've got roots, then you'll pot them up into little... What I would do is I'd pot up into little pots. Right. And I would keep those little pots, again, outside. And then the question is, you know, they're still going to be very small trees. Beech do grow slowly. I just want a little, uh, just a little sort of head-shaped. Yeah. So, well, the trick would be to just hold on to them in pots, perhaps for that entire first year. Just put the pots in under the ground in the fall okay. so that the, for the winter they're outside, pots are buried, come spring, you know, which will be next spring, not this spring, you'll pull them up out of the ground and then they might be big enough to go into their permanent location. Oh, I'll try that. Thank you. Okay, one last thing before you go. Yeah. Use a rooting hormone right. when you take the cuttings. It's a powder. Uh, it's called um, stim root. It's called what? Stim, S-T-I-M root okay. <clears throat> is that's one manufacturer i imagine there's other ones out there bottom line is you do want to get a little bit of that rooting hormone on the cut ends of the cuttings yeah. just okay. to speed up the root growth
Okay, thank you. You're very thank welcome. Thank you very much for calling and being I... on the Garden Show here at AM740. Phone number is 416-360-0740 for Toronto callers. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And boy, the time is just <clears throat> crunching right along here. We'll be along to talk to Catherine in Toronto in uh, just a moment. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm the sous chef, Frank Proctor. Nice to be here with you this morning as we say hi to Catherine in Toronto. Good morning, Catherine. Morning, uh, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Um, I think I've got a question that's perhaps, perhaps a bit foolish because I maybe know the, <laughs> the answer. Uh, seeds. Mm-hmm. I've tried to grow the seeds inside, indoors, in past years because the envelope says they must be started indoors. Mm -hmm. I get them as far as spindly little, helpless little things that wouldn't wouldn't stand the move. So I'm just wondering, is there any way that you can, like, plant them later outdoors to keep... So that they will grow out there, or is it something in particular you're trying to grow? Oh, well, most of the seeds I've got the Thompson Morgan catalog, and I've you know there are quite a lot of things I'd love to try. Oh yeah, but I don't want to do that and have them all die on me before right. they get big enough. Okay, so here's my suggestion: yep. if if you're having good success with the germination of the seeds, yes. but your issue is getting them from germination point to ready-to-go-outside point, and yes. they're small and spindly and, and weak-looking, right. I suspect you have insufficient light levels for those seeds to be healthy indoors. Okay. Is there any way you could rig up um, a fluorescent light for well, them? I had a growth, uh, the, you know, the thing you have indoors, a growth light, uh-huh. and I had the same problem. Oh, so I well, but, w- but how far away was the grow light from the seedlings? Oh, oh dear. Like, oh, was it maybe, up in the ceiling? Maybe um, about 10 inches. Oh, and, okay. And the grow light was on for a couple hours, like how many, 16 hours a day? Oh, or? yeah, I think so, yes. Okay. Um, okay, now the other reason that seedlings, little tiny baby seedlings, will just suddenly fall over dead mm-hmm. is uh, there is a fungal disease that sometimes attacks our seedlings, and it's called... Uh, damping off. Oh yeah, and it it will healthy little green plants will all of a sudden keel over and die for no apparent reason. Uh-huh. The way to ha- try and avoid damping off uh-huh. is to make sure that you've got adequate air circulation because all fungal diseases oh. love dead air. You know they love that heavy air. Oh. So if you, so starting seeds is kind of there's sort of a few basic rules. Yeah. One is as you already recognize sufficient light and yeah. a grow light. It should be perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's nice if it's a movable light so that you can have it very low within inches of the plants and as the plants start to grow you can start moving the light up. Yes it was. Uh, and so that's great. Mm-hmm. Of course keeping them moist is important. Mm-hmm. Doing And sometimes will people just will just run a small fan or make sure that they've just got some good air blowing across. Actually believe it or not it even toughens the little seedlings up oh. having air blow across them. People will blow on them. <laughs> believe it or not. Run a fan blow or run your, your hands over the, the little seedlings uh-huh. It, it toughens up their stems oh, by subjecting sake. them to that that real world stimulation. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a suggestion as well. Like if you like, because light is often the, the hardest thing for people to do. And if you've got sufficient light, mm-hmm. then I'd say and make sure, of course, your potting soil or your seed starting mix is fresh yes. and sterile. Yeah. Again, that way you avoid fungal diseases and and the, whatever. Uh, containers you're growing your seeds in must be fr- you know clean and sterile mm-hmm. wash with bleach and water thoroughly oh. before you put any fresh soil in and start your seeds if they're you know ones you've recycled from the past I again that will lower your incidence of disease and i don't know whether you realize it Catherine, uh, or not but uh, part of my job as the sous chef here is to fan uh, charlie <laughs> as she does the show i have this huge ostrich feather fan oh. and, I, and i and for sturdy limbs is that that's that's what the helper he with. toughens me up yes i <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't make you grow. <laughs> <laughs> I could use that. I'm already <laughs> bigger than him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Catherine. Hope that helped. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a great day. <laughs> and thank you for calling the Garden Show here at AM 740. Charlie Dobbin, next to talk to, let me see here. Oh, it's Gord in North Pelham. Hi, Gord. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you doing, Fred? Good. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. What's going on at your place? Well, I've got an infestation of crabgrass. I know it's too early yet, but uh, I just wonder what I can use on it now. Well, I've got a half acre of ground, so I don't think I can get down and pull it out. <laughs> pull it all. Well, keep, remember what happens. Crab, if you had an infestation last year, yeah. like last summer and fall, mm-hmm. all those plants have died over the winter. Yeah. But before each plant died, it will could have dispersed as many as 60,000 seeds that's per plant. Afraid, that's what I'm afraid of. Right? So if you had 1,000 plants, you now have that, you know, 60,000 times 1,000. Yeah. Potentially, because all those crabgrass seeds are out there on the surface of the soil, just waiting for some sunshine, waiting for some warmth so they can grow. Mm -hmm. Your timing actually is very good to ask this question. There is a product out there. uh, If you have a a fairly large yard, it's a bit costly, but it would be totally worth it. Uh, Scott's makes uh, a fertilizer, which comes with something called corn gluten meal in mm-hmm. the fertilizer. Says right on it. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna, I think I might even have the, the proper name here with me. I just have to dig it out of my bag. It, it's a weed preventer fertilizer. Okay, you can just go straight corn gluten meal without the fertilizer, but you'd be best to use it as a mix. Mm-hmm. So what corn gluten meal does is it stops the seeds from germinating. Mm-hmm. All right, so all those crabgrass seeds are out there. <clears throat> They're not going to grow because they can't. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, your fertilizer will feed the grass that is in your lawn, helping it to become nice and thick and full and lush, mm-hmm. and thereby um, compete with anything that might blow in after this cornmeal gluten has, has started to disperse. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, an excellent way to control seed-borne weeds in the spring. This is the mm-hmm. best time to do it. Uh, May, probably. Uh, in your area, it very much depends on the weather, but you're right. It could be May. It could even be April. I'm sorry. I'm just digging through my bag to give you the proper North, North name. North Pelham is in the uh, Niagara region. So. Yeah, I'm close to your hometown. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> good good part of the world, I'll you tell you. Oh, just like God's world. <laughs> it you is. Go. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So what you're looking for, is, it's a turf builder product. Mm-hmm. It's called Lawn Fertilizer with Weed Prevent. Mm-hmm. All right. When would you put that on in your area? You're right. It might be April. It might be early May. Mm-hmm. The main thing is, see, 
We, our rule of thumb is that the crabgrass seeds will start to germinate when the forsythia is blooming. Okay. Okay, so the forsythia is the yellow flowering, yeah. early spring flowering shrub. My neighbor's got some of those. So there I you go. Those. So that's your marker. You watch your neighbor's forsythia, and as the forsythia is starting to bloom, you get this uh, proper fertilizer, turf builder with weed prevent out onto your entire lawn and say bye-bye to the crabgrass. Thank you. Uh, Good stuff. You're very welcome. Hey, thanks very much. Thanks for joining the show, Gord. Uh, Pleasure to have you here at AM 740, The Garden Show. Uh, Our time is coming around to 9.30, right on the old schnozzola. And we're going to say hello to our guests. Yes. We have Jennifer Arnott on the phone and on the line from Canada Post. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Charlie. And this is Frank. Hi. Hi, How are you doing, Jennifer? (laughs) Good, thanks. How about you? Good. Okay, Jennifer from Canada Post, tell us what is your job there? I do uh, communications there. You do? I always think of it as a kind of a stodgy organization, but you're not a stodgy person at all. I try not to be. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you. How do I know you, Jennifer? Well, from uh, helping out at Canada Blooms, I guess. Exactly. You're one of the volunteers. Jennifer's one of the people who comes and volunteers to help build the show. So Jennifer's one of those women who comes in and rolls up her sleeves, puts on her hard hat and her steel toes, and plants like crazy. So she's been great in the last couple of years, and you're coming back again this year. I am. It's a lot of fun. I wouldn't miss it. And we are going to launch something very exciting at Canada Blooms that you're involved in. So tell us a little bit about what, what's going on with, uh, with the Canada Post launch. Well, uh, Canada Post has many different series of stamps, and we have a flower series, which comes out every spring at the same time as Canada Blooms. So this year we're going to be launching our sunflower stamp at Canada Blooms. I've got a picture of it right in front of me, and boy, it looks gorgeous. Isn't it cheery? Oh, yeah. Cheery is a good word to explain it to, to describe. Now, there's two different stamps. Yes. Um, Well, there's a whole product line, but there's uh, two different sunflowers featured. Mm -hmm. The Pareto red and the sun bright one's red and one's traditional sunflower color. Yeah. And uh, they come in like a package of regular stamps or a coil of stamps if you're looking to do a large mailing, like uh, for a wedding or something. Mm -hmm. And then we have note cards, and then there's... Absolutely adorable little miniature stamp dispenser. It looks like a mini Canada Post mailbox, all wrapped in sunflowers. I I think we all definitely need one of those. So, okay, so tell me now, I remember last year it was an African violet stamp that was launched in the spring. But this this launch is a little bit different with the sunflowers. This was not just kind of searching the web to find some nice pictures and put them on a stamp, was it? No. No. Well, usually... Actually, send a photographer out, but we have to go find the flower to, to photograph. Oh, okay. But this year, it's always an original photo, then. Yes. Okay, but this year, what's different? This year, we actually had the folks at the Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada Experimental Farm in Ottawa grow the flowers for us. So we selected which kind of uh, sunflowers we'd like. Mm-hmm. Went and talked to the folks there. They narrowed it down to two varieties, or actually to five varieties, I think, mm-hmm. and planted seventeen thousand seeds for us. Seventeen thousand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of sunflowers. They they were guaranteeing a lot. You're going to get that good photo out of 17,000, that's for sure. Yeah, I I think we grew a few more than we might have needed. uh, (laughs) I think the staff or the uh, visitors to the farm in Ottawa really enjoyed them. And, uh, of course, you know, sunflowers are great for birds and everything else. So Mm -hmm. uh, just a great flower to have around. So they grew the 17,000 seeds. And uh, then we sent a photographer out and worked from there. But it was kind of neat because we actually knew kind of what the flower was going to look like beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and for next year's flower, I know that they've picked out a plant and then they're just going to wait for it to come up and 
then photograph it. Oh, and you're not going to tell us what that is? Uh-huh. They won't tell me. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> we'll have to get you back next year for that one, too. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'm yeah. very familiar with what we all know as the sunflower, uh, the yellow, but I, I really am not that familiar with the red Prado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I maybe I just didn't recognize that as a sunflower, you know, being being red. Well, you don't see I, red sunflowers that much. No, no uh, I, at least at I don't. Seed racks now. It's amazing the different varieties they have out there. Mm-hmm. It's very pretty. Heights, widths, uh, you know, colors, yeah. s- sizes, shapes. So, so did you get to go out to Ottawa to see the uh, seventeen thousand growing sunflowers? I didn't. Oh, you only saw pictures, eh? I did, but it it sounds like it was a great uh, project. And uh, I get to uh, go out and be the face of uh, the sunflower stamp this year, so you know. So that's pretty that. fun. It is. And uh, are, so what? So they were all grown. The photographers went out, or photographer went out, took different pictures, and then of course, I guess a certain selection was made. Well, as you mentioned, there was five varieties they grew, so they probably weren't too sure what two were going to make it to the final. No, no, they knew they wanted the yellow and then something else. But right. I think we actually had a bicolor variety as well as the red. Mm-hmm. So like a yellow and orange, or yellow and red. Now, are yes. these permanent stamps, Jennifer, are they going to be on the, uh, be able to buy for a, a great length of time, or is it just during the spring? Um, you'll be able to buy them all year until the stock runs out. Um, they are permanent stamps, so if you bought, you know, if sunflowers are your favorite flower, or you're planning on yeah. having a wedding next year with a sunflower theme, you can buy all the stamps now, and they'll be valid for um, the Canadian domestic postage any year going forward. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, forever okay. and ever. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. Um Wow. So, and of course, where can, can we purchase these stamps at Canada Blooms? Uh, not at Canada Blooms, but you can purchase them at any Canada Post retail outlet across the country mm-hmm. um, or on our website, uh, canadapost.ca backslash shop, mm-hmm. or um, through the National Philatelic Centre, which is 1 800 565 4362. Just let me Frank's outlet. writing that uh, down. Okay, that's 1 800 565 yeah. 4362. Oh, okay. the National Philatelic Association. Very good. Hmm. Excellent. So, and so at Canada Blooms, though, we will be, as you mentioned, we'll be launching, showing off the stamp, yes. and promoting it, which is yes. part of your job. And you'll have some displays. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me what what kind of a boss is Charlie to work for? I mean, <laughs> she can be a taskmaster. I can tell you. <laughs> She's very supportive. You know, she gives you all the instructions you need and uh, yeah. just sets you off to do what you need to do. Yeah, she's told me where to go to. <laughs> and then I come by and I yell at my volunteers and I tell them I'm going to slash their salaries in half and fire them and no half severance no severance pay, nothing. <laughs> and then they all laugh at me and ignore me and go back to having fun. <laughs> it's not quite like that. She's great to work with. She has lots of creative ideas and she makes it a really fun thing to do. Well, that's why you're coming back year after year, I guess, you know. Well, can Canada Blooms is a pretty creative show. It's pretty fun uh, what we get to do there. We get to have a lot of fun and play with a lot of plants. Now, I can't say I've got any sunflowers this year. Hmm. But I I bet you have sunflower seeds in your yard if you've been feeding your birds. Um, I do feed my birds, and I do have sunflowers. I'll tell you, the the one time I planted and enjoyed sunflowers in my yard, my kids were small because sunflower seeds are one of the best plants to grow or seeds to grow when you have small children. They're nice, big seeds, easy to handle easy to plant and almost guaranteed to grow and right before your very eyes, right? You know, they get huge. So we did that. We planted seeds and the kids were little and it was all great. Now, my yard, my backyard faces north. So the place to plant because of the way the sort of gardens were evolving at that point was on the west side of the yard. 
which was quite pretty in the morning because the sunflowers, see, that's why they're called sunflowers. They follow the sun. So in the early in the day, the sunflowers were facing into my yard because the sun was coming up sure. in the east. As the sun went across the sky and went down in the west, the sunflowers swiveled and looked into my neighbor's yard. So at the end of every day, we got the back of the sunflowers. <laughs> and your neighbor benefited. <laughs> Not very pretty. <laughs> So uh, that was my one thing I learned. If you're going to grow sunflowers, grow them at, at the point where you're going to really get the benefit all the time. And, of course, between the squirrels and the birds, they, they do certainly, you know, don't last long. They, they get they get well chewed. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun, uh, not only uh, Thanks, promoting Jennifer. this, but uh, at Canada Blooms. And uh, thank you on behalf of all the folks who are going to enjoy your hard labor over there. Oh, you're welcome, and I hope everybody has a chance to at least take a look at our sunflower stamps and possibly pick some up. Oh, I'm planning to, and uh, we'll certainly want to hear about what's the what's the flower for next year once that's ready to be uh, allowed out. <laughs> we'll be happy to share. Thanks, Jennifer. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye now. What a nice lady. Yeah, she's great, eh? What a job. Oh. Communications officer with Canada Post. I would like that. How about that, sport fans? Yeah. You know, we have uh, several folks waiting on the line. And bless their hearts, they've uh, they've hung in there. So we're going to maybe uh, just go to a break in just a moment here. But you had can something I to share with us. Quickly yeah. share. I got a great email this week from uh, Susan Carter in Collingwood. You can do anything you want. It's your show. If Good somebody point. accused me of trying to take over. Good point. Stop <laughs> pointing at me. <laughs> Bite your finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's Drew. Frank's trying to take over my show. Uh, quick email from Susan Carter. Last year, I purchased hummingbird garden seeds from Canadian Tire and sprinkled them all across the back of my garden just inside the fence. Uh, she then hung lotus flowers in pots on the fence about halfway uh, half the way up the garden on the fence on the one side and on the other side she hung red and white spider geranium baskets and in the shade near the deck she hung two baskets of fuchsia so these are all plants that are notice the theme there the mm-hmm. color red one basket was the pink and purple and the other was white and pink and remember the seeds she's also growing so she has a Japanese lilac about four feet away from the deck and she bought individual hummingbird feeders like plural placed them into every post of the fence all around the yard She's had two families of hummingbirds in her back garden for the past three years. And there's one in particular that comes up around between 7.30 and 9 each night, sits on the very top of the lilac tree and talks to us as we sit on the patio. She keeps the feeders full of water and sugar syrup without red coloring, and they flit around all day long. They sit on her clothesline in the rain and have a shower. So she's got lots of photos of these little guys. She's looking forward to seeing them again in Collingwood. And uh, and she just thanked me for that Cleome tip, because remember I mentioned last week that Cleome Senorita Rosalita, one of my all-time favorite hummingbird-attracting plants, which I will have. If you want to see this plant, Cleome Senorita Rosalita, I'll have 75 of them at Canada Blooms, being grown as we speak in full flower. So that's a a good reason to come and see that plant. So I thought that was great. So Susan's got permanent, you know, families of hummingbirds. They leave for the winter, they come back, and they're settled into her yard, and she's got a real hummingbird festival going on back there. So good for her. And that's, that's, again, one of the themes you're going to see at Canada Blooms is creating our gardens to support 
you know, the, the ecology. Ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. So in her case, she's really concentrating on hummingbirds, but, you know, there's bee-friendly or just pollinator-friendly in general. You know, there's frogs and lizards and all kinds of ways, things we can do to support the, the ecosystem. So good information, and thanks for sharing. Absolutely, and love getting those emails. It's cdobbin, that's C-D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. And we're going to be back in just a moment to say hi to Margaret calling in from Elmira after these words. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef, welcoming Margaret to our line from Elmira. How are things in Elmira this morning? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. Um, I would like to purchase the blueberry bushes, mm-hmm. and I was wondering what you can recommend for this area. Oh, well, you'll find that any blueberry bushes that are for sale in your area should thrive in terms of the, the climatic conditions. Mm-hmm. The trick with blueberries is two things. One is you need to have more than one variety because they yeah. cross-pollinate. Okay. So that's very important. So be prepared for, you know, minimum of two plants, preferably more. The other, which is a little trickier, is that blueberries require a soil with a lower than average pH. They prefer a soil where the pH, uh, which is the level of the acidity or alkalinity of the soil, needs to be down you know, sort of 4.5, 4.6, 4.7. And our natural soils are well up in the high 6.7s and 6.8s, very close to neutral because they're limestone-based. Yeah, so and that, there's a lot of clay here. That's right. That's your biggest challenge is providing a soil where blueberries will thrive. Now, we do see them naturally thriving uh, in northern Ontario, mm-hmm. below big stands of evergreens where the pine needles and the spruce needles have fallen for years and years and years and the soil is virtually composed of the acid needles from the evergreens. So sometimes in our own yards we have that. We'll have an area where we've got some old, you know, big old evergreens that have been dropping needles for a long time and the soil will tend to be on the acidic level. To try and just fix your soil overnight and keep it at at the right acidity level is very tough. It will always tend to want to jump back up. Okay. Um, and there's a, a high bush blueberry mm-hmm. that apparently goes to, it grows to 6 to 10 feet, and they're supposed to be very hardy. Would now, that... Now, these are blueberries or cranberries? No, it's a blueberry. Blueberries. It's called okay. high bush yep. blueberry. Okay. And uh, hardiness. I was wondering if that would be okay in this area. Oh, sure. Hardiness isn't your problem. Blueberries are very hardy. Blue, uh, the average blueberry is hardy to, uh, you know, Sudbury easily. It's not, it's not an issue. But, like hardiness refers to its, t- like its ability to withstand yeah. extreme cold and wind and that sort of thing. So okay. your, your hardiness isn't your issue. Your issue is going to be your soil. So okay. that's, if you have, um, sometimes people will do a raised planter, like build a raised bed and mm-hmm. fill that raised bed with peat moss and very low pH, you know, medium material to grow the blueberries. Okay. Of course, they don't want full sun. They prefer like a dappled sun or early, or early morning eastern sun, no hot western sun because they'll just burn in the sun. So the conditions required by blueberries are quite specific. So your your varieties aren't your issue. The more the harder thing is you want to grow them in a spot where they're going to get that that proper soil and have dappled sun 
all day or early morning sun and afternoon shade. Okay. Uh, and uh, you're right. Whatever variety you choose, like I say, isn't you know if it's going to become a big plant, not a problem. It, but it won't become a big plant unless you can give it the right soil with the right pH and okay. test your soil to find out what the pH is. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Margaret. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Have a great day there in Elmira around the Kitchener-Waterloo area. And Steve from Brantford is with us this morning. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm well. How are you? Good. Uh, Acidanthria. Mm-hmm. You familiar with it? Yeah, I am. Okay, trips. How do you control it? Oh, thrips? Yeah. Oh, how do you control thrips on anything? Um, this is a plant you've got inside right now? No, I planted outside. Okay. Spring. And you know that it was thrips, like you've seen thrip damage specifically? Yeah, and the uh, flower wants to open up and it just sort of dies, like the flower part. Mm. Right, because thrips have an interesting mouth. <clears throat> they don't. They don't chew is it an or insect? suck. Yeah, oh yeah. Sorry, okay. a thrip is an insect. Yeah, <laughs> poor Frank. Be, yeah. He's trying to figure out what we're talking about. <laughs> thrips are very small insects, but their mouth parts are like a saw, and they saw into the buds. They lay their eggs, and then they move on. And of course, then the the buds become all distorted and never open. They they just sort of keel over usually and don't don't survive. Would I, so this is something you plant outside. Okay, the acidanthra is something that you've... It's outside now? No. No, no, no. no. I plant it out in the spring. So the frost is gone. And this problem has happened in the past. Yeah. Well, the first few years I never had any, and I could... Then I saved the bulbs, and now I have uh, the problem. Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think, because, you know, the, there was a time when we used to use some systemic insecticides yeah, to protect... Yeah, off the market. That's right. And to use a, um, an insecticide like soap, for example, only works if the thrip is on the plant, and you'll rarely catch the thrip on the plant. Well, I thought I read somewhere that you could take the bulb and put it in 50 degrees water or higher for 5-10 minutes, and that would... Is there any in the bulb that would kill them? Hmm. You know what? I, this is something I need to check. I need to check and see what's the best way to, to control something like this. When you're, you're, so you're convinced that you've got overwintering thrips. Yes. Um, and you, based on the, what goes on with the buds and the, the growth, you're convinced, like I say, that it's thrip damage. Yes, I okay. think it is, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you know what? Um, rather than me just say something off the top of my head, let me, let me think about that, and I will look into it, and it'll be the first thing off the top of the show next week. Okay, I'll Charlie. report back what's the best thing to try and do to, to control that. Okay, Charlie, thanks okay. a lot. Thank okay, you. thank you, you Steve. Have a good day. You too. Bye. And the phone number is to reach Charlie Dobbin here at AM 740's Garden Show, 416-360-0740, and anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740- Four seven forty. I'm just busy doing my exercises at nine fifty one. <laughs> ah, yes, that's a little clue from my friend Charlie and Dobbin. You, I yeah. can tell that you're very uh, supple today. Well, I am. <laughs> How's that for a word? Yes. Limber. Another word. I can't stand up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, both you, I, Elliot, and yeah. not just and both, Dolly, all <laughs> Dolly as well, are taking Sierra Sil on a daily basis. And of course, my mom says it makes her frisky. 
And that's she's really found that it really makes it a does. difference. Walking is easier. Uh, hand movements, all of it. You know, just we stiffen with age, whether we, you know, want to admit it or not. It happens. Yeah. And Sierra Sil really seems to make a difference. It really seems to keep us, you know, moving pain-free and still, whether we're, yeah, walking or, or out in the garden or shoveling snow or whatever it is we're trying to do, we can do it and do it easily. So for more information, Sierra Sil uh, can be found on the web under .ca or give them a call one eight seven seven joint 14 There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. Oh, that was a nice run there, Andre. <laughs> Just brought a note into Charlie. Whoa, got to run back. He's in good shape. I'll tell you, he must be taking Sierra. So. I might, well, he's, yeah. yeah. Hey, we're off to the phone lines again <laughs> here. Uh, Shelly from Vineland Station, I believe, is first on the line. Good morning, Shelly. Hello, Shelly. Oh. Those of us who can't wait to get our fingers out there in the in the soil, grounded uh, through this yucky winter. <laughs> you're one of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of us. Yeah. <laughs> My problem, Charlie, is I um, have some hibiscus bushes mm-hmm. that uh, I've had out in the garden. I brought them in for the winter, and I have a sunroom that I can winter them over with. And one of them grew to the height of five feet. Mm. So I did a little more than the third. I cut it back a half. Okay. But um, what I need to know is, when do I start fertilizing? When did you do the trimming? This week. Oh, good. Okay. So the the new moon. I kind of go by the moon. Okay, so that's fine. Now, what I would do is I would start fertilizing immediately. Next time it's it's time to water, use fertilizer in the water. All right. And would that apply also for my geraniums that I wintered over? Uh, You've got them in a sunny spot? Yes. Yep, absolutely. Because the day length has really started to extremely, you know, extend. And, uh, you know, just that rain that's going on, the temperatures are starting to get a little warmer. Plants know this. They they do respond to the, the increased day length, and so they will start to grow far more than they've been growing through the, the dark winter. And that's what fertilizer is all about. It feeds that, that flush of growth, that the plant is ready to go. And plants in pots, eventually the soil runs out of nutrients. It becomes quite inert. Adding fertilizer to your water will feed those plants and feed that growth. How far back can I trim the geraniums back? I, I trim them back about a third, mm-hmm. but they are really quite good size and bushy, and I'd like to cut them back a little bit more if I can. Is that possible? You could, and I would do it sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what many people will do if the geraniums are a good size is the cuttings they take now off their geraniums, they actually keep and root so that they've got all those little geraniums to put out in the spring. And then the mother plant, where all those little cuttings came from, is a, a, you know, obviously a monster plant. And if it's going outside, it's going out as a large geranium, whereas right. the other ones all go out as little geraniums, and you might use them in mixed planters or window boxes or someplace where you, you like to have geraniums kind of grow up and, and fill, fill and create some color in the summer. Now, could I still do that with, even though I've cut them back a bit, I don't have those, you know, growing end tips. Mm-hmm. They've been cut. Mm-hmm. Will will they still work for for planting and growing? No, I wouldn't keep those. No, they will, they'll be distorted. They'll they'll have that funny little they'll jog. Right. So the stem will come up and then it'll do a funny jog. So you really just want to keep the tip cuttings mm-hmm. to have that single stem to start from, and and then allow those to become your your new ba- your new baby plants. And meanwhile, like I say, the mother plant is going to have you know multi stems on it because you've had it for so long. It's got grow growing points all over the place. Right. 
Okay. Excellent. Okay, Thank you so much. Thank oh, you, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And Bye-bye. I think we have time for one more call. If we uh, hurry right along here, Anne in Waterloo calling in. Good morning, Anne. Hi. Good morning. Um, I'm calling about, isn't that interesting, the lady just before me had a hibiscus. Mm-hmm. I'm calling about the same plant. Uh, we It's gotten quite large, and we put it out in the summer. We bring it in in the fall. Uh, my problem is it looks like it's got white fly. Mm. We tiny little, they, mm. they just look like little white specks, but they do fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told by a few people to put on, uh, just in, uh, it's a safer's, it's called a safer's, uh, aphid and white fly insecticide. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would recommend, Charlie, or what, what would, what do you do for those? Okay, so white fly can be a real problem, and the safer soap can control them. However, the soap must coat the bodies of every one of the flying insects. And of course, they're going to tend to fly when you start to spray. Right. If you look on the backside of the tips of the leaves on the tips of the, of the plant, right. you'll see quite small, almost ivory colored or, or opaque uh, size of a head of a pin eggs, which will hatch and more white fly will emerge. So if you're going to use soap as your control, you're going to have to spray more than once. How, now, I did spray it once, mm-hmm. and um, when I sprayed it, I mean, I, I wore gloves, and I actually rubbed each leaf mm-hmm. with the soap Okay. Um, to, in order to make sure I got both sides. Okay. Um, I also cut it back because right. um, somebody had said cut it back now so that you don't have to soak so much. That's right. And I was going to say you will find that the white fly is concentrated on the tips. Okay. So that's why cutting it back and having a green garbage bag or, or you know plastic bag ready, right. every cutting goes into the garbage bag and that whole thing goes out to the end of the driveway right. and, and off to the municipal um, dump. You oh. don't keep those cuttings because you will just prolong the white fly problem. Right. So right. bottom line, cutting back was good. Spraying with soap, you know, safer soap is good, but do you'll have to spray every seven to ten days. Now, can I spray more or closer than seven days? Or no, wait at least seven days. Okay, and and follow the instructions and wait at least seven days, and then spray at least three times, and you should be able to control the problem. Okay, thanks, and and I'm sorry, we're just at the end of our program, and we have to scoot. Gotta let you go. Thanks, thank you. The the guys from Dave's Corner Garage are all set to go. The the garage door is up. I see they got Dave. Rediger up on the uh, on the hoist there, and they're uh, greasing him. Uh, weird, but there it you happens. go. It's a weird show. Uh, it is. Thank you, Frank, for all your wonderful sous chef Thank you, abilities. Thanks, Andre. Nice to have you on board. Thanks to all our great callers, and thanks to Jennifer. Thanks to Scott. See you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio, the new AM seven forty. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.